Hello everybody, I am Lucia Matuonto and welcome to the Relatable Voice podcast, a talk show where my guests and I talk about relatable everyday situations, books, and the environment we live in. Remember to subscribe and follow the podcast on social media so you can be notified when a new episode is available. Let's begin. Today, we are heading to Kentucky to chat with Anne Gebhardt. Anne is an accomplished author with an impressive collection of published works. Anne has been writing since she was a child and her passion for storytelling has led her to create 38 captivating books. Her latest book release, In the Shadow of the River, is out now. So my dear Anne, welcome to the RV. Well, thank you. I'm enjoying the ride. Thank you too. And this is our first trip to Kentucky, so I couldn't be more excited. <laughs> and it's a beautiful day here. The sun's shining and we had some rain, so the grass is growing. So uh, you picked a good day to come. Wonderful. So this was a worth trip. Very. We are interested to know what and do you like the most about living in Anderson County? Well, I uh, was born in Anderson County and my roots go very deep here. Uh, I love being out in the country. I'm a farm girl. Uh, I like having uh, a lot of space and seeing the trees and uh, being able to walk on my farm with the dogs and my grandkids sometimes. Uh, I live in a beautiful place and I'm very thankful for that. So I get to uh, enjoy a lot of the good parts of Kentucky. That sounds like paradise. Well, some people think so. It's uh, We sort of consider it, it a type of paradise. Now, not all of Kentucky might uh, say that, but I can. <laughs> of course. And your desk is set in front of four windows. I know because I know everything, or almost everything about you. So if you could place your desk in any picturesque location in the world, where would you choose to work and why? Well, that would be an interesting question. I sort of like where it is here here on my farm, but if I were to have to move uh, somewhere where I could look out at the ocean would be nice. Or I love the mountains. I could uh, be in a little cabin up in the mountains where I could look out at all the trees and uh, scenery. So but one of those places sounds good, but perhaps I haven't traveled enough in overseas to to know where it would be a good place so i'll just stay here in the u.s i guess yeah there are so many amazing places to visit in in the u.s there there will be many good places but you know when i'm looking out now at my uh windows i'm in my office now and i'm looking out and uh, there's a tree right outside the window it's got a bird feeder there and there's some little birds eating the seeds and uh, sometimes I can see my dogs outside right now I cannot but uh, there's always something good to see but you know when I'm writing a story 
a lot of times what I'm seeing is is not what I see out the window, but what I'm seeing in the window of my imagination. Mm-hmm. So uh, to have the green to look out at to rest your eyes occasionally, though. Yes. And, and how did you develop a passion for writing? Can you tell us a little bit about it? When I was a little girl, I loved to read, and uh, I liked to read Hardy Boy books. Uh, They're mysteries, and I thought, boy, it would be really fun to be a Hardy Boy girl. I didn't want to be a boy. I wanted to be a Hardy girl. And so I decided, hmm, maybe I should write my own book. And uh, so I did, starring myself, a cuter, smarter, uh, much less shy little girl than I actually was. And brought my sister and cousin along as sidekicks. And we had a lot of fun with the story, but eventually I never finished it. And I outgrew it and started writing little short stories when I was a teenager. So I've just always perhaps been was born with this desire to build words out on paper and uh, tell stories. Can you describe the inspiration behind your latest book, In the Shadow of the River. Well, most of my books that I've written, or maybe all of them, have a Kentucky setting. And uh, so when I'm looking for a new idea, I'm trying to find something that's Kentucky-related. So I have some history uh, books or books that have a lot of Kentucky history in them. And so when I'm looking for a new idea, sometimes I just start leafing through one of those books and say, hmm, what next, you know, because, you know, what you've written, uh, a number of books, you, you've exhausted some of your ideas already, so you have to come up with new ideas. And I came across how uh, river travel was so important in the 1800s. That was how people got around. There weren't weren't that many railroads until later in the century. And uh, I thought, well, you know, that would be interesting to to think about the river travel. And then I saw a showboat, picture of a showboat, and started reading about how these uh, intrepid actors, families, would get on these boats and ride down river and stop every night at a different place and uh, call the people in from the countryside to come to their plays on, on board their little, on their uh, showboat. And then when I found out a lot of times there were families that did this and they would go from March until maybe November, they would start in the East, uh, maybe West Virginia, and then they would end up in uh, Louisiana. They'd traveled a lot of rivers. That sounds like somewhere I could uh, drop a story down on. And so even though uh, I never, not much of a boat person, but it was fun to learn about the showboats, and and so I went aboard with the, my characters, and we went down the Ohio River, which is not exactly set in Kentucky, but whenever the boat landed, it was on the Kentucky side of the river. So I still consider it a Kentucky setting. Your story is set in during the late 19th century. Is that correct? That's correct. 1896, I think. Okay. Can you tell our listeners about the importance of the showboat community? Showboats actually started prior to the Civil War, and they were just big, big uh, rafts that they had stages built on somehow, and they just floated down the 
Ohio and then down the Mississippi. But the Civil War sort of disrupted all that. And so they didn't come back into fashion until in the 1870s. And when they did, it was usually a family or or someone, and they would uh, just decide they wanted to take entertainment to the people. At that mm-hmm. time, you know, along the river, the small communities didn't have much entertainment. Uh, they didn't have the ability to go to big cities and, and watch shows. And so it became very popular that when a showboat came, everybody got excited and, and uh, wanted to go to the, see the show. And sometimes it was a quarter, sometimes a dime. Sometimes if they didn't have money, they would take uh, maybe a dozen eggs or side of bacon or some corn or whatever they had to do barter their way onto the showboat. Uh, they generally had melodramatic plays that they would do, and then they had vaudeville-type acts. Uh, they just really enjoyed entertaining, I think, and they had captive audiences, sort of, because you know they didn't have as much competition when they would go down the river, at least at first. Showboats got very popular, and so then there was competition between the showboats, and that was when they started building the showboats much more elaborate some of the showboats held up up to a thousand people in their theaters, which is pretty amazing to me. Wow! So, so you know they were huge, huge things. They were pushed by a steamboat. Uh, they didn't have any way to uh, navigate themselves, so they would attach a steamboat to them and push them down the river, or, or however. But uh, the people that uh, were on the on the boats were probably the most uh, interesting because they just loved acting. They just loved taking entertainment to the people. They started using calliopes, which were a steam organ, mm-hmm. and they started using those uh, to call in the people because they didn't really have a good schedule of knowing when they would be somewhere. So before they got to the got to the landing, they would start playing the steam organ. Uh, the calliope and the sound would go out across the for miles across the country and when the people heard that they began shutting down their chores and and uh, getting ready to go to the showboat hunting mm-hmm. up their quarters and nickels and dimes and going to the showboat for a show they it was a very popular thing to do they really enjoyed that uh, meeting the showboat and each day, then they would travel on down the river to the next place. So they did the same show every night. They didn't do it on Sunday, but they would present the show every night other than Sunday. Yeah, it's very nice. And Anne, can you tell us a little bit about your book, In the Shadow of the River? Well, the, my original idea, I kept uh, seeing a young girl coming on the showboat and her mother for some reason having some problem, and she remembers seeing her mother buried alongside the river. That changed a little, as, as ideas Jen will do while you're writing a book. But uh, at the beginning of the book, uh, someone is trying to steal J.C., who is my my main character. At the time, she's five years old, and her mother is, is hurt badly in the confrontation. And they get away from the man that is trying to hurt them, and Luckily, next door has tied up. They were on a steamboat, which uh, J.C.'s mother was a maid on, on a on a steamboat, 
And so when they go off the boat, they're luckily next door is a showboat that actually has J.C.'s uh, grandfather as one of the actors on the showboat. And so they go and find refuge there. And that's where J.C. lives then. She becomes a showboat actress. and uh, But she's always wondered about what happened to her mother and why it happened and, and what the mystery was that... Uh, why anybody would be wanting to steal her from her mother. And so those shadowy parts of her past have, have really bothered her all, all her life, even though she's never really found the answers that she would like. Mm. And eventually uh, her life is threatened, and so she knows she's got to find the answers so that she can figure out what's going on. There's some mystery in the little suspense in the story, but... But a lot of it's about family and how uh, you can sometimes make your own family in a different way than, than maybe a traditional family could be. And basically the protagonist, Jetsy, she experiences a traumatic event as a child. So how does this event shape her character and influence her choices throughout this story. I know you cannot tell much. Well, we don't want to tell spoilers, you know. We, I would like for people to read the book. So, yeah. Tracy uh, um, always has that uh, little bit unsureness about who she is, uh, where she comes from, because she really doesn't know any. She's always lived on the river, as far as she can remember. Even as a baby, she lived with her mother on the steamboat where her mother was the maid. And now she's living on, on this showboat till she's she's 20, I think, in the story. After she changes from five, they slip forward 15 years to the next part of the story. She feels very attached to the showboat family that she's part of. Uh, she has a Gabe is the main male character and uh, he's a great guy who who took JC under his wings as soon as she came on board at five he was 13 and so he's always uh, watched out for JC uh, he's always been in love with JC but JC thinks of him as a brother and so together they they have to figure things out throughout the story and uh, he he has to help her figure out what is in those shadowy parts of her past, even though he doesn't know. Uh, and her grandfather doesn't tells her he should she should think about now the present and not worry about the past. Sometimes the past can come back to haunt you a little and and you do need to know where your roots are or or where you came from, I think. Mm -hmm. You know, I knew that you were going to tell me that there were kind of romance because it was not only about being on the show and trying to find out about her roots or let's say the secrets so I'm happy that you can put a little bit of romance a little romance in every book is good you know a little mystery a little romance yes. <laughs> great great setting fun characters. It all goes together to make a good story, but uh, my books uh, have a little romance in them. Uh, I don't know that they're uh, all totally focused on romance, because usually they have a lot of history. Um, my this In the Shadow of the River has the showboat history that most people are finding fascinating, 
because they don't really didn't know much about showboats, and neither did I before I began researching. So uh, it's it can make an interesting uh, setting, uh, uh, something that's uh, all water underneath the, underneath that setting. So you're down the going down the river the entire time. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you don't like water, you might not know. Uh, most people uh, like water fine if they're on a boat, as long as they're not in it, right? Yeah. But uh, it it worked out, I think, and I've got the history and the romance and the suspense and the mystery and a little of everything. I'm sure I'll be looking forward to reading this book. I will put it on my list. I'll be on vacation, but I think I will not going to have time to do everything I want, but I have my list of books. It's already here. Most people have a, a tall list of books. I know I do. It's hard to get all the books you want to read read. Yes, that's why now I'm sometimes listening to audiobooks because when I'm driving, yeah, doing something, I'm always listening to Podcast, either podcast or books. And M, with 38 published books under your belt, what drives your passion for storytelling and keeps you motivated to write? You know, that's an interesting question. Uh, I just feel like I need to tell another story, I guess. Uh, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes, you know, you're writing and you're going, oh, nobody's ever going to want to read this stuff. But if you just keep uh, putting your fingers on the keys and keep letting some kind of word come out, it generally uh, turns out better than I sometimes expect it to. So it's just pushing forward with the story and letting my characters sort of tell me what's going to happen next. Uh, I'm not a plotter. I don't plan out my story to begin with. I just sort of sit down. I try to think about my characters and think about the setting and and the basic part of the history of the book. Uh, Then I sort of hope my characters will lead me along the right story trail. Actually, how do you develop your characters? Are they based on real people? Well, they they become real for me, but no, they're not based on anybody I know. Uh, I think an author generally takes some from everybody they've ever met. I mean, you know, it's something inside your brain that you're not even realizing, but you have these little little stew up there that's cooking and and these characters can pop up out of that. But it's it's an interesting uh, process. Somehow the character just develops in my mind and and through words, I'm able to bring them to life and and let them tell the story. Uh, I do think my characters do develop a special... I mean, I've written so many different characters mm-hmm. in all those books that, that I've come up with a lot of different people. Sometimes the history, that if I'm writing a historical novel, the history of the day will influence uh, how the character develops. I have written, uh, I, I say I didn't never base a character on somebody I know, but I have written some rosy corner books, uh, Angel Sister is one of them, that I based on my mom's uh, childhood of growing up during the Depression era. And, you know, I, even though it's in a fictional story, I based those characters on my mom and her, her three sisters and her mom and dad. 
uh, there was a lot of similarities and the background of that story has a lot of mom's memories in it, even though, like I said, the book is completely made up. And then once I wrote, uh, I wrote three books, uh, Holly Hill books, The First Scent of Lilacs. It's sort of based on my memories of what the 1960s were like in my small town. So I have sometimes sort of used things from my own life to uh, develop characters or to develop story. My historical stories are a little different because, uh, you know, they have the history background and I've had to come up with characters that I can drop down into that history of that day. Just what I did with In the Shadow of the Showboat, I dropped my character right down on that showboat and let her become an actress, even though I could never be an actress. It's uh, interesting that as a writer, you can be things that you could never be otherwise. How many books do you write an year? I usually only write one book a year. I have written two a year, uh, but most of the time one a year is a nice pace for me. Uh, you know, I, especially if it's a historical novel, because you have to do the research. And uh, right now, I just finished a novel uh, that I hope will be out next year, and so. For for a month or so, I'm resting my brain before I start doing something else. But uh, there's always plenty to to do. To when you're a writer, you have social media, you have this and that and another, and sometimes you get to talk to get on a, a little van with somebody and talk about writing and books. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> and what are the key themes or messages that you am? to convey through your novels? Well, I like my books to be entertaining. I mean, uh, that's not the only reason, but I do want people to be entertained when they read the book and to be glad they read my book. A lot of my books have different uh, faith messages or faith threads. Some of it is times it's it's forgiveness. Uh, Sometimes it's something else. In the Shadow of the River, I think it's more... uh, the fact that that family can be any anyone that even if it's not your blood family that if you you have the love you can you can have a family with with people that are not blood related but they're still family for you i've done that in several books where i've had uh, relationships between characters that that are definitely family but not necessarily kinship um, I just like uh, I like my stories to be encouraging. Uh, I like for them to be feel good stories, so that a person once they read them, they'll be glad they read them and not uh, say, "Oh gosh, I, that didn't end well." I don't want people to think that about my books. I want them to be happy that they read my book. Actually, I think you have to research a lot. Well, it's kind of which kind of book you want to write. I'm not the best at. Uh, describing uh, what anybody's wearing or whatever. I, I tend to uh, be more into a person's head and, and uh, what's happening with their thinking and so forth. But uh, you do have to know what they might have worn, what they might have eaten, what they might have uh, been able to do, especially when you go back into the 19th century when women weren't as free as they are now to do whatever they want wanted to do. And 
So things that you do have to check out that kind of thing. How did they get around in that day? And what did they wear and, and so forth? Uh, but a lot of times the whatever I research uh, when I'm reading about the a particular period of time, that gives me more ideas for my character and, and lets me uh, get closer to my character and know what they might have been like at that time. Uh, sometimes I've written books. So I've, several of my books have had uh, war scenes, have been during a war. And uh, so that that sometimes is, is your basic. You, if you have real events, you have to get your character through to those real events and uh, sort of lead you along in an outline type of way. In the Shadow of the River was not like that because it was based in a certain year, but it didn't have that many particular historical events, although there is a presidential election or primary going on during the story. So that that part was a little history thrown in. So there's always something you're going to find that you can throw in. I think I would have to research so much. I'm getting tired just to think about to create a book like this. I feel that way when I uh, see people that write books that are set back many many years ago or during bible times and I'm going I don't know how anybody could figure all that out enough so that's one reason I stay in Kentucky because I I know about Kentucky I know about Kentucky weather I know about Kentucky people uh, a lot of times how how a Kentucky person might think even back when and and my roots go deep here so that I've been here for a long time. So that's one reason I stick with Kentucky history that at least I'll know what the weather is like without doing too much uh, extra research. Mm-hmm. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. I'm curious to know, how do you handle writer's block or you don't have writer's block? Well, I think everyone has a writer's block. Of, it's according to what you want to call a writer's block. I've certainly had times when, uh, gosh, what happens next, you know, in, in the middle of a story. Generally, at the beginning of a story, I, I can really get going. And, but usually somewhere along the way, I'll hit what I call the doldrums. And uh, the doldrums are when you're out on that uh, ship out in the ocean and, and the wind, with, you're on a sail ship. And the wind quits blowing and and you're just stuck there. And sometimes I feel that in the middle of a book that I'm, what what am I going to write next? I mean, where am I going with this? But then eventually, uh, if you keep uh, trying and keep writing words, that that creative wind starts blowing you again and it moves you along on your story uh, trail again. And I've never been totally blocked where I didn't have a, New idea. I know some people struggle with a start of a book, but so far I've been able to come up with ideas. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, whether they always work or not is another thing. But uh, 
sometimes I also imagine it as being out in a empty field and it's sort of dark and, and you can't really see where you're going, but you just start going one direction or another and eventually you're going to fall in the hole of a story. So <laughs> you just keep trying, I guess. Yeah, I agree with you. I believe most authors, they have writer's block. This is normal. Sometimes things don't come to our mind in that specific moment. But if you change the, uh, your focus and do something different, so the inspiration will come for sure. Sometimes I take a walk. And of course, I walk every day. But sometimes when I'm walking, uh, uh, you'll you'll think of something, you know, if you let your character sort of uh, stay in your mind while you're walking sometimes an idea will come up oh well that could happen that and that will help you get to the next chapter to the next scene mm-hmm. I think the worst writer's block is, is that the if you have writer's block where you cannot come up with that first idea whether you're afraid to write altogether uh, I think my mine is not exactly writer's block it's just writer's hesitation <laughs> I like it. And and finally, I'm sure our listeners want to know how they can find you, find your books, connect with you. So can you give us your socials and website? You can go to my website, www.nhgaphart.com. I uh, do do a blog. I have a blog called One Writer's Journal. I also have another blog that I don't do as much that's sort of based on my character uh, for my Holly Hill books. Uh, so it's it's a blog told by a uh, teenage girl. Uh, my character at that time uh, was Josie, and I sometimes let her write a blog post. I don't do that every week, but I do sometimes. But I do uh, post on my uh, One Writer's Journals twice a week. I have a lot of uh, book giveaways there. Sometimes we play games. We just finished a game called Mystery Picture Game, where I put a little bit of a picture in the, and they uh, try to guess what it might be. But we have fun with that. And then uh, I'm on Facebook. Uh, I have a Facebook page. I always enjoy talking with people there. I'm on Instagram by my name. And uh, I also uh, do a newsletter that uh, I can keep people up to date with what uh, is going on in my down here on the farm and with my uh, writing. I always do a giveaway with that too. In fact, I just sent one out and, and uh, the giveaway is about to end. Uh, that can also be found on my uh, website. There is a form on the, in the margin of the website that you can sign up for the newsletter. So there's lots of different ways. So you can always find my books online, uh, Baker Bookhouse, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Just stick my name in there in Google and then all kinds of stuff will come up for sure. But I do enjoy talking to, to readers and, and hearing what's going on in their lives as well. And and also, I want to tell our listeners that you will be featured in our magazine, The Relatable Voice, in June. And Anne, it was a pleasure to speak with you. You are such a lovely lady and wonderful, terrific author. And I just want to tell you that our doors are always open for you. 
Yeah, I've read some of your Relatable Magazine articles. They were very interesting. I think everybody would enjoy uh, uh, seeing your magazine. It's it's uh, got a various uh, interest. It's not just focused on one type of fiction or book. So it, it's it would be a great thing for readers to check out. And I'm really glad that you all uh, invited me over to do part to, to share my thoughts about my book on, on it. That was really nice. Enjoy being here, too, on this van. Been a great ride. Thank you, Anne. Thank you very much. And let me know when you publish your new book, because I'll be looking forward to drive back to Kentucky. Well, we got a new title. Just They just decided on a title, and it's going to be called Song, The Song of the Sirewood Mountain. Okay. Because it's gone back at... I've gone back to the Appalachian Mountains on this one, so I'm back on solid ground again. <laughs> For sure. I'll see you next year. I hope so. That would be great, Lucia. Thank you, Anne. <laughs> Have a beautiful day. You too. Thank you so much. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified when the next one is posted. Please rate this podcast and share it with your friends. Thank you for listening. And remember, relationships don't exist. Relating does. Until next time.